Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series, The Book of Acts, The Church, Then and Now, and was preached on September 24th, 2023. As we've been studying the the, uh, Book of Acts, I've been using pictures of church buildings, but today as we're studying the stoning of Stephen, the killing of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, I'm showing a map that shows Christian persecution today. An organization called Open Doors tracks the persecution of Christians. And I'm doing this because I don't want you to think that what happened to Stephen is just ancient history. In the year 2022, the last year for which we have full statistics, 360 million Christians worldwide suffered discrimination and persecution. 2,110 churches were attacked and destroyed. 5,259 Christians were abducted, and 5,621 Christians were killed for their faith. Persecution and martyrdom are not just ancient history. We forget sometimes to thank God for the incredible religious freedom that we have here. It's not a worldwide thing. The red shows the worst areas, and you can see many of them are in Africa and in Asia. North Korea is atop the list. Open Door says this of North Korea. North Korea is a brutally hostile place for Christians. If discovered by the authorities, even so much as finding a Bible, believers are either sent to labor camps as political prisoners where the conditions are atrocious or they are killed on their spot and their families share their fate as well. Christians there have absolutely no freedom. It's almost impossible to meet together or gather for worship. Those who do so must do so in utmost secrecy and at enormous risk. As horrible as it is, it is still estimated that there are 400,000 believers, Christian believers in North Korea. I wonder sometimes how we would survive. Those in Christians like Christians in places like North Korea should be our heroes, much like Stephen in the New Testament. We're going to move from there to Jerusalem. I'm going to read the story of Stephen. As we've seen in the book of Acts, that uh, persecution had increased from arrest of a couple of disciples to arrest of many disciples to commands to stop preaching Jesus and then today to the stoning of Stephen in Jerusalem. He's often called, as I did, the first Christian martyr. Technically, he is the third to die as a believer in Jesus. John the Baptist, the first, Jesus himself, and now Stephen. James will be next a few chapters later, followed by millions of believers over the years. We have this heritage that sometimes we forget that we have churches today because there were millions of brave people who stood up for Jesus when it was illegal to do so. 
And so we need to take advantage of our faith in every way today. We're going to read in Acts chapter 6, near the beginning of Stephen's ministry. He had just been called to to serve as a group of men that would later be called deacons. And then he began to preach and serve Jesus in other ways. We're going to read that in Acts chapter 6. And then we're going to go to what happened at the end of his sermon before the Jewish leaders. So let's stand together as we read. Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 8. Now Stephen a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. By the way, Saul may have been part of that particular synagogue. And they began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stopped speaking against his holy place and against the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. All who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, then Stephen, in in, uh, the rest of that chapter and moving on, he answered his critics, and he preached one of the most powerful sermons in the Bible, the longest recorded in the New Testament other than by Jesus. And afterwards, in Acts chapter 7, actually, verse 54, we pick up the story. When the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven standing open, And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. You may be seated. It's a horrible story. It's hard for us personally to imagine, since you and I are greatly blessed to live in freedom. No one tells me, other than God in my study of the scriptures, what I can preach and what I cannot There's nobody that says whether or not we can come to church, own a Bible, read it, proclaim it, or tell the truth. But as I pointed out in my introduction, these things still do happen in various places around the Word. So before we make application of this, I want you to understand this man, Stephen. Who is he? His story is really only told in these two chapters, Acts 6 and 7. But there's enough evidence there that we get a very good idea of Stephen, the man, before his death. 
So I want us to think through that. Who was Stephen? First of all, I want you to understand that he was a man like Jesus. He and the other six who were asked to serve were asked to serve because of their wisdom and because of their faith. Acts 6.8 says he was full of grace, a man of love. It also points out that he had a powerful gift of healing. 6.10 says he was so full of the Spirit and therefore wisdom that his opponents could not successfully debate him. Verse 18, we read that, said that his face looked like the face of an angel as if Jesus himself shone through him. He very clearly knew the word. He describes in his defense of himself what is really one of the greatest sermons in the New Testament. He describes the Old Testament from Abraham to Moses to the prophets right on up to Jesus. As he died, he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, much like Jesus did on the cross when Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. His last words, Lord, do not hold this sin against them, was much like Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. In other words, I hope you see what I'm saying. Stephen acted like, spoke like, loved like, and even for a brief moment, looked like Jesus. And there is no greater compliment that can be said about a believer than he was like Jesus. So are we today? Understand that to say, I am a Christian, is not just to say, I am a believer in Jesus. What I am a Christian means is, I am like Christ. Or I am a little Christ. Is it true? Do our words and actions today remind people of Jesus? We, we need more Jesus people today. We need more people like Stephen who looked like Jesus and was very clearly a Jesus people. You know, we use a lot of words in our culture to describe a child who is like his parents. He's a chip off the old block, or the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, or various things like that. We need those things to be true of today's Christians, except that we're like Jesus and not just like our parents. He was a man like Jesus, and no greater thing could be said of him. He spoke like Jesus, he loved like Jesus, he lived like Jesus, he served like Jesus, and he even died like Jesus. So first of all, he was a man like Jesus. The second thing was that he was a servant of Jesus. Remember, before his fame as a preacher, a healer, and a martyr, he was one of the forerunners of the group of people we call today deacons. Now, we think of deacons as church leaders or church bosses. They are really servants. And so understand what happened with, with Stephen and Philip and the others. Hey, what we really need help with is food distribution. Not everyone gets their share. We're especially concerned 
about the widows. So make sure they get the food that they need. So I, I don't want you to think of him as a glorified church leader. What essentially he was, was a first century equivalent of a DoorDash guy. Give this to the widow Jones. Give this to the, the widow Smith, etc., etc., etc. He he was a servant, a worker, not a glorified leader, not a guy making decision and echoing and, and, and asserting commands. He was a servant. Like many church positions, even today, it was very much behind the scenes, a service entry level position. The church asked him to serve. Stephen said yes. Later, God gave him more gifting and more responsibility. And that's often how God works. Be faithful in the small things. And God gifts you for bigger things. God called me to preach. But I didn't start in church as a preacher. I served in a church nursery, served in a youth choir, worked as a youth leader, youth coach, as a youth pastor, as a Sunday school teacher on a building and grounds team. Be faithful in the small ways and then trust God to lead you where he wants you to go. You can see that in Stephen. He started serving. I'll take food to the widows because it needs to be done. And as a church, we especially want to show love to them. And then God gifted him with more. And next we see Stephen as a preacher of Jesus. False witnesses came against him. By the way, there will always be those who make up evidence if they can't find it. You see it very much today. And they charged Stephen with things that were not true, with blasphemy against Moses, blasphemy against God, and blasphemy against the, te the temple. Stephen gave an absolute masterful defense. He pointed out how God had worked from the time of Abraham right on down to the time of Jesus. He pointed out that Jewish leaders had always persecuted those who prophesied of the coming Messiah. And he told them they were still resisting the working of the Holy Spirit. He tried hard to convince them that Jesus was the very one that they had been seeking all along. They didn't listen. They became enraged. They gnashed. They ground their teeth in anger. They covered their ears, we don't want to hear this, like angry preschoolers. They rushed him, dragged him out of the city, threw rocks, ultimately stones, enough to kill him. He spoke truth. They didn't listen. If they had on that day, the whole history of Christianity might have changed, and the Jews might have accepted Jesus as the Messiah as Paul did a few chapters later, but they did not. But I want you to learn from that. We want to speak the truth about Jesus because we love people. We want them to respond in faith. 
But our job is to preach Jesus in love and in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's up to them, not to us, to respond. We are called to be faithful and preach Jesus. We'll see times in, in Acts in which others were killed. We'll see time in Acts in which hundreds and even thousands responded. The response is not our job. The faithful preaching of Jesus in love, in the power of the Holy Spirit, is. So Stephen was a man like Jesus, a servant of Jesus, a preacher of Jesus. And then we see in Stephen that he became a, a martyr for Jesus. You want to know how to live, how to accept anger and persecution with grace, and even how to die. Stephen is a great example because he almost perfectly followed the example of Jesus and he understood what it meant to live for Jesus and die for Jesus. And it's an incredible story because there was no bitterness. There was no anger. There was a perfect understanding in him of what happens when we die. Look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And as death hit him, even in the pain of rocks smashing him, there was forgiveness and a plea for God to forgive. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Understand, what we believe has a huge impact on how we live and even how we die. Stephen believed that God is real, that Jesus is his son, that to live is to serve Jesus with the attitude of Jesus, and that to die is to see Jesus. He lived and he died for Jesus, the exact same call you and I have received today. When Jesus said, follow me. And we said, yes, Lord. So what can we learn from this life of Stephen? What does this teach us today? I want to share with you a few things. Three things, really. And I want you to pick up on these. Number one, speaking Jesus is everybody's job. It was the job of the twelve. It was the job of the deacons. It was the job of the missionaries we will see in coming chapters. It was the job of new believers. By the end of the book of Acts, the original 12 had disappeared from the stage of church life, but the church thrived because every member accepted the great commission given by Jesus to the 12. They understood that go into the world and preach Jesus, given to Peter and James and John and the rest, was go into the world and preach Jesus, given to churches of all times forever, until Jesus comes back. Now listen carefully, because there are many movements in Christianity, but any movement which denies that it is our primary job to go into the world and make disciples is destructive to the church because that is our calling 
That is why we are here. There are other things we do, but our primary call, our primary task is to go into the world and share Jesus in an effort to make disciples of Jesus. Is it our primary job to pass laws? Listen, I would love better laws in America. But if we first make disciples of Jesus, then good disciples will make good laws. Is it our job to change American culture? I would love to see a change in American culture. But the only way to do that is to change people's hearts. And then our culture will be more like Jesus. We spend way too much time telling non-believers how they're supposed to live when our calling is to tell non-believers they need Jesus. Is it our job just to worship? Listen, I love good worship services. But I have all eternity to worship. The job now is to make disciples so we can increase the worship attendance in heaven for all eternity. As D.L. Moody said, my goal in life is to go to heaven and take as many people with me as possible. I can get behind that. Oh yeah, we worship with everything that we do, but our job right now is to make disciples of Jesus. Is it my primary job to build my own spiritual life and deepen my relationship with God? Man, I need that. But the best way for me to deepen my relationship with God is for me to be obedient to what Jesus said and go and make disciples. The goal is not for me to be a super spiritual man, but for me to be a man filled with the Spirit and to go into the world and make disciples of Jesus. And I cannot grow as a disciple if I am not being obedient to what Jesus told me to do. Speaking Jesus is everyone's job. Stephen's role in the church was a door dash for widows. His passion was making disciples of Jesus. And I hope that's your passion, no matter what your job in the church is, no matter what it is you do, the, your real passion is I want to see the people I work with, the people I see, the people I know, my family members, my friends, my neighbors come to know Jesus, because it's everybody's job. Number two, in order to do this, I want you to understand that being filled with the Spirit has got to be everybody's goal. We see an abundance of evidence that Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> he was chosen as a servant, a deacon, because he was full of the Spirit. He had very obvious gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because he was so full of the Spirit, God had given him wisdom so that others could not stand up against his arguments and debates. You could see evidence of the Holy Spirit even in his face. And his death showing real grace and forgiveness even towards those throwing rocks at him. That's not human nature. That was God's Spirit at work in him. He was full of the Holy Spirit. And listen, we can't do our job on our own. We need God's Spirit. 
So how do we get it? How are you filled with the Spirit? It starts with your belief in Jesus and believing that God loves you so much that He will put His Spirit inside of you. It's committing to living life the Jesus way and it's asking for the power of the Spirit in your life and in your ministry. I can't do anything apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I, I can stand and talk for hours. No one would be changed, no one would be tough, touched, nothing would happen apart from the Spirit. So the most effective time for me may not be in writing the sermon, but in praying for God's Spirit to touch your hearts and your lives. And if you want to make an impact on others, your children, your spouses, the people you work with, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own, and neither can I. So, so understand from Stephen, speaking Jesus is everyone's job, being filled with the Spirit is everyone's goal, and living and speaking like Jesus is everyone's responsibility. Now, now catch this, because everything I said this morning is very important, but hear this as especially important. If we don't live and speak and love like Jesus... We will not make disciples. Because disciples is something that, that is caught is much more than it's taught. People need to look to the church, to believers in Jesus. And they need to see that a life of faith in Jesus really works. They need to see that our families and our relationships are healthy. They need to see that we are generous and helpful. They need to see that we care about all people like Jesus cared about people. They need to see that we are in the front line to feed the hungry, to house the homeless, to care for the sick, to show love to hurting people, to treat all people with respect. They need to hear us talk like Jesus and forgive like Jesus. And when people see anything good about us, they need to know and understand that all the credit goes to Jesus. Living and speaking like Jesus is everyone's responsibility. And this may be the place where the American church has failed the most. Our reputation, and I've told you this several times, our reputation is that the church is full of hypocrites. We need to live in such a way that even if people don't believe what we believe, they look to the church and say, man, they are good people. They love, they care, they help. They treat me with respect, even though I'm not of their church. They care. When people see that in the church, they will listen to what we have to say about God and about Jesus. But if we hate and put down and turn away from people, and don't care, and fail to forgive, they will look at us, nothing you say makes sense, because you don't even live it yourself. Living and speaking like Jesus is everyone's responsibility. And in Stephen, we saw an excellent example of a man who lived, spoke, loved, and died like Jesus. We are among, you and I, 
are among the privileged that live in a land where there is no real persecution of believers and where we have full religious freedom. I, I know we like to complain about perceived slights and biases against the church out there. But we have been given what believers in most nations would love to have, full religious freedom to live for Jesus, preach Jesus, talk about Jesus, encourage people to follow Jesus. I don't know how long it will last. Our nation has had a good run. And this generation needs to take advantage of it while we can. So when you leave today, commit to telling someone about Jesus. They may or may not agree with you. They may or may not like what you have to say. But say it lovingly, persistently, with your lips and with your life. And it's not complicated what we have to say. There's a God. He's real. He loves us. He came to earth himself, Jesus, and he showed us how to live. And he died for us on the cross so that any who would believe in him would be given everlasting life, a great life here on earth, and one that gets even better tomorrow. And you can experience that by putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Any of you can tell that to anyone. You don't need preachers in order to do that. You don't need a theology degree in order to share the gospel of Jesus. You don't even need a, a, a gospel tract in order to do it. There is a God. He loves us. He came to earth. He died for us. He rose again. He's alive today, and he's calling you to believe in him and follow him. And it will change your life and eternity. That's our message. And you and I are called to share it. So rather than, you know, three or four practical steps, I just want to leave with this one. It's my job and it's your job to leave this place and tell someone about Jesus. Regardless of the consequences, they may accept him, they may reject him. They may love us for telling them, they may hate us. They may even kill us. They did Stephen. But he's okay. He's with Jesus. So commit to telling someone. A daughter, a son, a brother, a sister, a neighbor, someone at work, someone at school. Commit to telling someone about Jesus this week. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. You can find out more about our church at abcaz.net and you can find Pastor Jack's sermons on most podcast apps. Thank you for listening and may God bless you.